not in Kansas anymore. You have my curiosity. Are you telling me you built a time machine? The force will be with Welcome back to Get Real, the podcast where we get real about all of our favourite pop culture films and TV shows. I am your lead singer for today and host, Chris. With me, as always, is my rhythm section, my click track. It is my co-host, as always, Sam. I'm playing multiple roles in the background today. I'm uh, the rhythm, the orchestral, the click, the beat... You know why we have a beat and a click today, though, don't you? No. No, why do we have a beat and a click, Sam? That's because we're talking about the sound of metal. Whoa! We are. I think we might try and do a couple episodes of different, maybe, award-nominated films from this year. We've seen a couple already between the two of us, so it's just kind of catching up on watching the other ones. Talking about Sound of Metal today. Yeah. Uh, Riz Ahmed nominated for Best Lead Actor Mm -hmm. in many awards categories. Very highly rated film. Scores very yes. high on Rotten Tomatoes. It's ninety-seven percent. Scores rather high in the the Chris meter as well. The Chris meter. Oh, well, we'll have to hear all about that, Chris. But we can't <laughs> we can't go to the chorus yet until we've done the verse. Whoa! The verse with the intro out of the way. With the what we've been what we've been. Wait, wait, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> we've not that done that the intro yet. anyway now we're on to the first verse anyway we're on the first verse which is what have you been watching other than the sound of metal this week to be honest not that much a bit of anime as always of um, course so i've been i started wonder egg priority which is like one of the biggest ones from last season which i feel is like end. you've started a lot of animes so are you watching like five or six on the go or something at the minute yeah some of them like i'll watch a full season of and even though it's got like two more seasons i'll go on to something else to just to like see what i like and then if i like it i'll go back to it and watch more of it yeah so this one's a new one so it's only got one season which i think it's only got like maybe 12 episodes or something it's bizarre but it's one of the most gorgeous things that i've ever put my eyes on on screen Mm -hmm. for an animation it's about this girl who uh, is already suffering with like anxiety and depression and stuff like that and being bullied a lot and then she makes a new friend at school who is also going through the same things Mm -hmm. and then that friend of hers ends up committing suicide i haven't got to the point yet where it i know whether it's real or whether it's inside her own imagination but her and a few other girls who have been through similar experiences, every time they go to sleep, are helping people who have committed suicide progress through into the afterlife and stuff like that. And okay. it's bizarre in the most gorgeous way possible. And I have no clue what's going on yet. I don't know if it's real or fake or inside everyone's mind because there seems to be different people doing it. I don't know, but definitely it's worth watching, even if you're not like an anime fan. I think it should just be like required viewing for anybody that likes gorgeous visuals and really interesting storytelling okay cool have you been watching anything else scrubs and a lot of magic the gathering (laughs) i'm back down the rabbit hole after your podcast episode on the get real gaming podcast sister podcast check them out wait Uh, magic the gathering has a tv show and anime no i'm just watching a lot of it on youtube uh especially game nights who also have a podcast uh the command zone podcast and watching them play a lot of Commander, so that's been taking up most of my time because it's like hour-long episodes. Okay, cool. Is that it? Yeah. What have you been watching? I've been watching. So I've watched uh, Little Women. Mm. <clears throat> Finally checked. What that did you out. think of it? 
I enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. A little bit slow at the start, but once I kind of started to understand where the story was going, because it kind of throws back in time a little bit and then forward in Mm -hmm. time and... Yeah, I actually really enjoyed it. I could kind of see what was coming towards the end. But yeah, I enjoyed it. I watched it with my girlfriend and she really enjoyed it. thought the cast was really good. I was shook when Bob Odenkirk showed up because I didn't know he was in it. And I was like, <laughs> he's the guy. He's the guy. Um, <laughs> he's the man. Yeah, Greta Gerwig like, directed the absolute shit out of that. <laughs> I really like the way that they told the story in this version of it as opposed to previous versions. I think this, for me, is like the definitive version of little little women mm-hmm. uh, i also started watching last night i only got like i think maybe like an hour through it because uh, i was incredibly tired because i've been back at work this week i started chaos walking i don't know whether you remember this with tom holland yes. and daisy ridley in it uh, yep. i was it's more of a watch out of intrigue because it's scoring like 22 percent on rotten tomatoes 39 percent mm-hmm. on metacritic it's pretty it's pretty poorly rated at the minute, and I kind of can see why. Chaos Walking is a chaotic film, to be honest. <laughs> uh, I don't think it's anything that we'll really talk about on the podcast. I don't unless we just, unless you watch it and think it's worth a chat. What it does, what the, like the premise is kind of interesting. I don't think I've got like fully through it yet to know whether it has the payoff of the premise yet, but it's. Um, yeah, it's because obviously, I mean, you know that it's basically people's thoughts are out loud, right? They have their mm-hmm. uh, whatever it is, the like noise. Like thought bubbles all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's called the noise. And because that's going pretty much like 50% of the time, it that's what makes it kind of chaotic to watch. So starting to watch it at like 10 o'clock at night just wasn't a good idea. But I will finish it and then let you know my definitive thoughts once I've... Uh, Got to the Do you think it. it might be uh, walking its way to a flop, maybe? Um, I think it definitely will be, because I don't think it's done very well so far. Mm. Um, I think there was reports kind of a few, like, earlier on last year that the initial cuts of the film were actually deemed unreleasable, so... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they did a yeah. lot of back and forth and swapping and stuff, and... Um, they ended up, I think, reshooting a large portion of the film as well. So, yeah, and you kind Oof. of, with the pace that it kind of runs at in the beginning, you kind of get that feeling that maybe it is parts like cobbled together. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it seems fine. I'll see whether it pays off or not, and uh, whether I join the critics or not on it. But that's it. Right, that's all I've really watched. I've pretty much finished the Do- uh, Dota Dragon's Blood anime. That's kind of fun. And other than that, yeah, I'm uh, just uh, looking forward to watching some new shit. New shit. Maybe try watching Wonder Egg Priority because it's really fun. Speaking (laughs) of news, sir, we should uh, probably talk about news. Also, if you haven't already, make sure you follow us at GetRealPod on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can drop us a message there. Tell us what you've been watching. We're always interested to hear. And then also, once you've hit up our review of Sound of Metal, let us know what you think. And as always, everything is time-coded in the description. So if you want to skip ahead past the news and trailers, you can head straight to our Sound of Metal review down there. First on the newsy news is, thankfully, we've we've got April Fool's out of the way around about now. So uh, we've actually got legitimate news, thankfully. 
We got some news from the Eternals camp, from the MCU camp as well. Mm. Chloe Zhao is still working on the final cut for Marvel's next cosmic adventure, Eternals, uh, which is due to come out in November after, obviously, delays due to COVID, etc., Mm-hmm. Uh, the kind of big points of this update is really that uh, it's still in the editing stage. It's hard at work on the final cut. A lot of people are saying that it's actually one of Marvel's most anticipated upcoming projects, probably because of the cast list and because we've not heard very or seen very much about it. It was actually due to come out about five months ago. I think it was about five months ago. It was due it to was- come out in November. Then it was pushed yeah. back to February, and now it's been pushed back pretty much a whole year. But yeah, a lot of people are saying that there's actually quite a lot of anticipation now because because Chloe Zhao did uh, Nomadland, which is obviously a mm-hmm. Oscar hot film right now, alongside the editor as well, um, who is uh, Dylan Titchener. Uh, I think a lot of people are saying because they had such a good working relationship on Nomadland. Oh, no, sorry. I might be getting mixed up. Uh, Titchener was an editor on Zero Dark Thirty, uh, There Will Be Blood, and Brokeback Mountain. So he's uh, been around for a while. All three of them were nominated for Oscars? According to sources, Zhao and Titchener have actually been given kind of like a hands-off approach on it. So obviously they've kind of been left to their own devices rather than Marvel kind of leading the way in terms of how the edit is going to look, which is good because, you know, you take someone on like Chloe Zhao, who's who's obviously done such an incredible job on Nomadland for it to receive four Oscar nominations. One of them is best editing. I guess it kind of makes sense to let them do what you pay them to do. It fills me with a bit more hope that it's just those two deciding to edit the film for this long. Obviously, the film should have been out by now, so you would have thought it would have been edited and done by now. Mm. Uh, but they're taking the extra time and care. It's not like okay, Warner Brothers butchering a film after it's been shot already, um, mm-hmm. as we've seen multiple times. It's the actual creative visionary behind it who clearly they know a thing or two about editing. And they know a thing or two about making damn good films. Yeah. Just actually choosing to take the time and care. And it might be one of the best Marvel properties or at least standalone Marvel films that we've had coming out of this if they are taking so much love and attention, which is nice. It's not just like the studios butchering it. It's them actually deciding to edit it like this. Yeah, exactly. Uh, a couple of sources say that the Marvel is actually close to disbelief about the quality of the film, hopefully in a very good way, <laughs> not, a, not a terrible way, because that would be awful. <laughs> and also, Chloe Zhao says that it was actually a big risk doing the film, but it seems to have paid off. So we're very excited, very excited. It's got an amazing cast, and we've spoken about this quite a bit, surprised that we've not actually seen anything from it yet. But I'm anticipated that it might have a kind of release a bit like Guardians, where it takes this property mm-hmm. and just propels it forward. So Yeah, we've already seen a big increase in the Eternals comic books reissues. Like I've tried to pick a couple up and a lot of them have been sold out in places. So obviously the popularity is there for it. I think they're doing a new Eternals comic book line to tie in with it as well. Yeah. So yeah, it's definitely like doing what Guardians did and reinventing that franchise within Marvel, which is crazy. Yeah, that's We see more from Lego than we have from Marvel on this right now. (laughs) Literally, yeah. 
Hopefully not too many pop final spoilers. <laughs> Looking at you, Godzilla vs. Kong, and every other film ever. That was Hasbro as well, just being there like, oh, do you want a 12-inch statue of Mecha Godzilla when you don't know that Mecha Godzilla's in the film? <laughs> it's been a bit of a slow week in terms of news, to be honest. There's not, point, no, not much point talking about all these other really tiny stories that have been out and about, so... Yeah, uh, what have we got in terms of trailers? I mean, I can kick Um, you off. We got a new trailer for Loki, didn't we? We got a new look at Loki. Oh, we did. I forgot about that one. I'm so glad that you remembered because I haven't got that one right in front of me. We did. There was so much in it and it started to confirm a lot of things that we thought and kind of twist other things on its head. So yeah, Loki is definitely being brought on as an agent of the Time Variance Association. He's jumping through maybe multiverses because we saw all this like fractured, splintered timeline thing. So they're bringing him in to basically right the mistakes that he has caused by fracturing the timeline. It looks bonkers. So many cool set pieces in this. This is maybe the best looking out of all of the Disney Plus shows, like in terms of just like full on out there visuals. Uh, it looks like Guardians 2 on screen. Yeah, uh, it's been a few days since I watched it. Is there anything else that you want to say on Loki? Uh, not really. I really just think it it's standing up to be really interesting. I think all the Marvel TV properties that we've seen so far have been phenomenal. And mm-hmm. I think maybe the scope of this, similar to that of WandaVision, I think we've kind of spoke before where it feels like the Marvel TV shows are kind of flicking back back and forward between something that's maybe a little bit more cosmic and then a little bit more grounded. So mm-hmm. you get like WandaVision, uh, which is quite cosmic-y. You get Falcon Winter Soldier, a bit more grounded, and then you get Loki. And then I think our next one is... What's after Loki? Uh, we've not had a trailer for it yet. but uh, Ms. Marvel. Ms. Marvel? Well, I mean, it's kind of... Depending on how you look at it, it's a bit more grounded, I guess. So it looks like it, it looks like it's going to follow a schoolgirl. So yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. So yeah, that's exciting. Uh, I'm yeah, I'm really really stoked for it. To be honest, I think Tom Hilson's awesome. I really enjoy Loki. Yeah, give yeah. me more. It, it looks great. Just go watch the trailer if you want to know anything more about it. Next up, we had a trailer for Monster, which is coming to netflix i will find the date out now because i had them all up on my phone but my phone was about to die so i had to chuck it on charge so let me just get the release date super quick what's it about while you're looking for it okay so it's about a young african-american boy who's at college he's studying art and he wants to become like a photographer and like filmmaker almost he's always got a camera and video rolling and stuff like that and he ends up falling in with the wrong crowd it's based on a novel so a smart, likable 17-year-old student from Harlem sees his world turned upside down when he's charged with murder. We follow his dramatic journey through the climactic legal battle. So this has got John David Washington in it. It's got Jennifer Hudson in it. I saw ASAP Rocky's in there. Nas is in there. He's also an executive producer on this, along with Jeffrey Wright, who is playing the boy's dad. Directed by Anthony Mandler. Release date is on Netflix on May 7th. This looked great. The cast looks stellar. I don't know anything about the book. Yeah, cool. I'm seeing. I'm just scroll down the comments, and because it's YouTube, it instantly goes to the MCU, and everyone's just saying that the lead kid in this should be playing Miles Morales. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, he's definitely got a Miles Morales vibe in it, especially after the Into the Spider Verse 
style version. Next trailer we want to talk about is Mainstream. This is Andrew Garfield, Nate, whatever his name is from the Death Note movie. Basically, it looks like Mr. Beast mixed with Logan Paul, mixed with Good Times in this crazy, like, Nightcrawler-esque film. It's Gia Coppola who did... Paolo Alto. So it's Maya Hawke who played Robin in season three of Strange Things. Jake Paul is in this, like I said. I always get him and Logan Paul mixed up. Okay, and Nate Wolf what, is his name. And the the kind of general vibe is like it follows like this internet viral guy, right? And he's like slowly going insane and doing weird twisted things, or is he? Is it all just pre-planned. Andrew Garfield can still somehow pull off playing a guy in his early 20s, even though he's been doing that for the last 15 years. Yeah, he's just (laughs) got that look about him. Yeah, it's been doing really well at uh, Sundance, so was Monster as well. Although its ratings on IMDb at the moment are 5.3 out of 10. Mm. I know Gia Coppola does often get mixed reviews with her films, so who knows? Maybe it delves into something a bit that some people aren't a big fan of. I think it looks really fucking cool. I will watch anything that Andrew Garfield is a lead in because he is incredible. Together Together is a film starring Ed Helms. We've both been watching The Office lately, and I think, did we say on the podcast what's he been doing lately? Because he hasn't really done much. He was, was doing that... Auntie Donna's Big Old House of Fun. That's he what was. he did lately. Ed Helms himself. He was in that for all of about two minutes. But this is him and a girl in her early 20s, and she is going to be his surrogate to have his child. But he's a single man in his, like late 40s seeking out to have a child and it's their relationship of being in this weird situation together but it felt like a nice twist because you don't often see like a male side of this story we've had plenty of films in the last 10 years about women finding surrogates like it's normally career driven women and how they find room for a child in their life and stuff but we've never seen this story from a male perspective before so mm-hmm. this was like quite a nice interesting change and I think Ed Helms could bring brevity to the role like he can bring a seriousness to it but also keep it kind of light-hearted which is like what he's doing in this they don't want it to be too dour by the looks of it so he's bringing in some of the jokes yeah it's um, actually rated quite highly this it's on 89% on Rotten Tomatoes right now um yeah. looks like it's probably due out at the end of April in the US so yeah I'm quite anticipated for for this is actually looks yeah. quite nice I got a little bit triggered towards the end of the trailer when they called us out hard and proper they were like we're worried that you're breeding another white straight male inside of you she's like yep yeah, uh, uh, now he's got a podcast <laughs> Oof. attacked personally um, really attacked <laughs> okay as Next you know up. podcasts are more powerful than what you think this is the titan <laughs> truth podcast <laughs> we're gonna bring do, 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 do. we're gonna bring Taking down, down corporations from the inside yeah okay uh, just a quick one i really want to talk about the jupiter's legacy trailer that we got this looks fun looks very yeah uh, it's it's almost there's almost feels like a lot happens in this trailer like it doesn't feel like a normal trailer it feels like it shows a lot and i had to double check i was like is this actually a tv show not a film because i was like there's so much going on in this yeah there's a hell of a lot going on in this like the trailer was almost at a breakneck pace which makes me think that oh sorry i'm an idiot it is a tv series not a film yeah it is that'll be why Um, it is a TV series. It's sort of in the vein of a short runtime, like um, Umbrella Academy. This looks like Netflix have done an amazing job with it because it's given them the money per episode 
to just pump into it and it looks like a stunning comic book brought to life. Basically tells the story of what seems to be like the first generation of superheroes and the legacy that they leave behind as they start to either die of old age one by one or they're taken out by this new breed of villain and how people can live up to the legacy and maybe there's an underlying conspiracy of how they all got the powers or something. So there's like a dark side to uh, superheroism which we're seeing a lot of with like the boys and stuff like that as well. But it looks stunning. It got me super excited for this. Mark Miller is a fantastic writer. I haven't read this comic book, but seeing this made me want to pick up like maybe volume one before the series comes out on May 7th, I believe, just to give it a read. It's something that I've always seen on the stands and I've never picked up. This looks really cool and it's got like multiple different sequels after it. So I wonder how much of Jupiter's legacy this adapts and whether we're going to get maybe a couple seasons of this and then maybe it'll dive into maybe the spin-offs and the sequels a bit like you said i got a big the boys vibe from this but not as edgy and just a little bit more kind of like the story you might get from something like a marvel film for example Mm -hmm. like something not as kind of dark and gritty as the boys but yeah it, it, it looks fun it looks good uh, it felt like a fun. nice middle ground between the boys and the umbrella academy which if you've listened to the podcast we you know we both love those two series mm-hmm. it felt like a nice middle ground with like you said that more over the top comic booky marvel aesthetic to it yeah cool and the photos that we got in the first look kind of make this look really interesting as well because interestingly enough there's quite a few of the first look photos that didn't actually show up in this trailer. So, yeah, it looks looks like it's going to be fun, looks like it's going to be packed. What other trailers did you want to talk about? Okay. I think there's one for, we got a new one for Cruella, which kind of solidifies kind of what the story's about. It's Cruella and another woman who she doesn't like who seems to be the antagonist of the film. That's exactly what I was about to talk about. We actually know kind of what the plot is now. It's Devil Wears Prada meets a heist film, yes. which I am not gonna complain about that seems quite cool especially with emma stone going batty you know what i mean yeah (laughs) Um, yeah it looks super stylized and i'm all about that yeah it just looks pleasing like maybe a darker side of what disney have been doing to like bring backstory to their villains like they did with maleficent and stuff like that just made her into a a full-on like hero character yeah. Whereas this is like ooh, a bit of a darker, edgier. Yeah, it feels like it just added a lot more context to what we saw in the first trailer, which I guess is mm-hmm. a, a good thing for a second trailer to do. You don't want it to spoil too much, but yeah. it just kind of gave you like extended looks at each of the scenes. <laughs> I don't know why they kept Emma Thompson out of the majority of the first trailer. But I, I know guess the was... first one felt like a, a long teaser, you know what I mean? Whereas this one felt like a trailer. Yeah. Uh, and um, they've also changed it so it is also getting a cinema release now wherever it's safe to go to the cinemas but that's out on may 28th and it will be streaming premiere access on disney plus cool i think one of the last trailers that i think is probably worth having a chat about is um those who wish me dead this looks really good to be honest yes. mm-hmm. this is tyler sheridan writing and directing he did wind river Hello High Water, Sicario. So it's got great writing chops behind it because those three films are amazingly well written. Angelina Jolie in the lead role. It's got Nicholas Holt in there. It's yeah. got John Bernthal in there. Who a I few was other really faces. Yeah, who I was really surprised to see pop up towards kind of the second half of the trailer. 
It's also got Aidan Gillen in it from Peaky Blinders, and he was also in Game of Thrones. Yeah, uh, Peter Baelish, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm so glad really that you good. had his name, because I could not remember his name. I was just going to call him Peter Baelish. <laughs> yeah, he's he's an incredible actor. He's so good in Peaky Blinders. He's so uh, good in everything. Yeah, so I'm really happy to see him play another villain. Basic gist of this film is a teenage murder witness is lost in the wilderness with two assassins hunting him, and a survival expert is trying to protect him when a forest fire threatens them all. So she's basically in one of the Firewatch Towers in America, you know. Did you ever play the game or watch the game Firewatch? I didn't, know. Okay, so this was giving me, like, pure Firewatch vibes at the beginning. Like, some of the shots are exactly the same. So basically in big, like, national parks and wooded areas in America, obviously the prone to forest fires and stuff like that, they have Firewatch Towers around. So they basically live up there for, like, a couple months at a time and they'll keep an eye on everything, make sure that... Nothing goes wrong and they can obviously save people out in nature and stuff like that. So she's had a bit of a tragic past when a forest fire went wrong and she wasn't able to save some of the people who were either in the area or trying to save the people trapped in the area and stuff like that. But she's back on Firewatch now and then she meets this obviously murderous witness, which is a young boy, and it's her trying to protect him. So it seems like kind of like... A lot of the B-list films were normally old men in. You know, sort of like a Liam Neeson type film. Yeah, it seems like yeah. a better written version of one of them with Angelina Jolie in the main role. Or stuff. maybe you'd have like, um, like Gerard Butler or something in this. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, yeah. The visuals towards the second half of this reminded me a lot of Skyscraper, you know, the Dwayne Johnson film mm-hmm. with all the fire and stuff going on. Like a lot of vibes of that, but just written so much better. Like you could tell by the trailer it's got a decent script behind it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, this comes out on May 14th in the US. Not sure about the rest of the world, but this looks pretty damn good. It's good to see Angelina Jolie in another film because she hasn't been in many recently. But, yeah, other than Eternals, she shot that, but that's still not out. <laughs> yeah. It's coming. It's coming. Right, uh, okay. Right. Well, it was quite a heavy week in terms of trailers, but as the verse comes to the end, we now get to the chorus, Chris. We drum fill our way, like the opening of this film, in our way into Sound of Metal. So, as I said up top, we're going to talk kind of spoiler-free about the story, as we do with every movie, particularly with this one. It's a phenomenal film, as we both probably heavily agree. Mm-hmm. It's also very anticipated to win Oscars, featuring Riz Ahmed in probably, no doubt, one of his best performances on screen. I mean, uh, he's had a lot of fucking good performances, I mean, so but it that, does yeah. say something. Like, exactly. This might be one of his better ones. So make sure you check the times code in the description to avoid any spoilers. Let's talk about Sound of Metal. So yeah, to move on, let's uh, talk about Riz Ahmed. I totally... He kills it in this film. He really does. He absolutely does. Like, oh, he's so good. Like, I always enjoy watching his performances in everything especially when he's just able to kind of run loose with a role but he's just got such a watchable face and i think for this character his face carried so much of the film because obviously we're dealing with a man going deaf so like his communication for a lot of this film is like cut off and stuff so it's all through what he can deliver silently through the role Mm. and he's just so absolutely watchable in this film that he was just the perfect casting. Like, the fact that he he moves, not only is his character incredibly good 
when he can hear, obviously, but then how he transforms throughout the film and like how he goes from, without spoiling it, he, his persona changes a lot. But you're mm-hmm. absolutely invested in him. I wasn't watching Riz Ahmed, you know. I was watching his character, Ruben. I was watching Ruben in that film. I wasn't watching Riz Ahmed, you know. And that's yeah. how you know that you've gotten a really, really good performance. Not only, obviously, was a lot of what carried this film from Riz Ahmed and also a shout out to Olivia Cook, who was uh, like the supporting actress throughout the film, mm-hmm. who was also really good again, especially at the beginning, but also the writers and directors behind this film also graced us with the likes of Place Beyond the Pines, Blue Valentine as well. Um, I would probably say they're two of our really solid films that we've, we kind of, you know, really yeah. like from, from a while ago. I love ago. those films. And you can tell that it's the same people behind it, just like that grungy, americana to it you know what i mean like that we mostly got in like the first half of the film or the Mm -hmm. first two-thirds of this yeah it's like quintessential like this writer loves just making a little like grunge nirvana guy in the lead like you're looking at him and he's basically a riz ahmed equivalent of ryan gosling's character in place beyond pines (laughs) yeah that's uh, (laughs) down to the tattoos and everything and the bleached hair (laughs) Yeah, well, literally, yeah, it's literally a, a, a copy, isn't it? But mm-hmm. it, but it works, you know, because you get character development from a punk guy who then goes through a, a change in his life, and you you see him, you see that happen. I got big vibes from that at, earlier on in the film, where they're in the camper van and he makes breakfast at the beginning, mm-hmm. and there is all that kind of like tease and stuff of. That you know, obviously, you know, if you've watched the trailer, you know, he goes deaf pretty much straight away. And um, what you don't know is that that journey that it takes and how he comes to grips with it. And that's kind of the, the plot line of the film. But what also... I want to find out is who did the sound design? Because you were speaking about those earlier scenes in the camper van. And I don't know about you, but I watched this on headphones mm. and it. It was so enveloping to listen to it in headphones. I kind of wish that I saw it on a big screen because some of the shots in this would have like lent themselves beautifully, like some of the more quieter bits. But the the audio in this, listening to it on headphones, was just phenomenal. Especially like later on in the film when certain things happen, the way they put you in Ruben's shoes and stuff like that. But like you were saying in the camper van, just the attention to detail. Obviously, it's a, fa- a, a film about sound. So the the sound design on everything was so crisp and clear, and then when you see that contrast into when he starts to lose his hearing, it was it was amazing, especially in headphones. I like all the really long, overly drawn out, uncomfortable moments in this, where like at the beginning with the music, you know, like the the just the droney feedbacky noises, it all kind mm-hmm. of. Kind of like the with these kinds of films. So I mean, we're, we're particularly talking about what comes from uh, the director Darius Marder. To be honest, that when you read into kind of the cinematography of stuff and you read into like choices in the edit and what happens, there are like subtle nods to to parts of what goes on. Like when mm-hmm. you when you have that droning music right at the beginning and it's the feedback of amps and stuff, 
that kind of reflects back onto like what happens with his tinnitus even when mm-hmm. you you hear it kind of coming towards the end as he's playing drums it's like there's always like little nods throughout it and yeah let's talk about the sound design when he goes when he when he does lose you know starts to lose his hearing and all your hearing is like thumps and the the film creatively changes your perception to when you want to hear things from ruben's point of view to to then the outside world and i think probably 75 percent of this film follows i mean most of it follows ruben's point of view and i think that's why you become so invested in his character and i think that's why you start to see ruben over riz ahmed you know and you become mm-hmm. enveloped in the story but the sound design's from phenomenal like how you recreate something that you can't experience for yourself without then going back. It's like how, like, to create something which, where, you know, to to, to be able to mimic the deafness of of his character audibly, it sounds so strange, Mm -hmm. but it does, it literally does that so well. And you, yeah, I, th- there's not. I was, I was thinking things. that. Go on, sorry. No, no. I was just going to say there's not, there's not enough good things that I can, I can fit about this film in this episode of this podcast. Like, <laughs> it, you just want to gush. I just want to gush over it because it's so good, and I hope it wins everything that it's up for in the Oscars and the Golden Globes and all of that. I hope it wins it all because it, it's incredible. And I think it touches on some really, really important topics. And especially as yeah. you start to see his journey through it and the people that support him and how how people who also suffer from deafness and it shows their challenges, you know? And mm-hmm. especially when someone relies on sound as much as what he does for his passion and his career and what he earned, how he earns money and... You know, and then and, and how he overcomes that, and how that changes him as a person. It's it's a really beautifully written story, and yeah, I said I'm think... saying this like it's a person, and not that it's a film, and it's a story, and it's an actor. It feel <laughs> it, 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 and that's how you know it's good. You know, yeah. I like you said. I hope this wins awards, but I think I want to see Riz Ahmed win awards, but I also want to see it win technical awards for sound and stuff like that. Because it's it's normally like a throwaway award, but if a film like this won it, then I think it would make people a bit more interested into like the audio side of it. And like you said, like the fact that we hear so much of it through Ruben's perspective, and I was listening to it on headphones, so I sat here and like I was oh, watching it wearing headphones, and I've got my normal life around me and stuff like that. And it really did, because I was wearing headphones, it cut me off from, like, the outside world. So I was literally just in his perspective. And it was mm. so weird if I ever, like, looked away from the screen for a minute and saw, like, my girlfriend walking around the house or something like that. Like, it really put me in a position. And, like like you said, like, you're hearing everything through, like, muffled, like, booms and, like, it's mostly, like, low-end and muffled sounds and everything like that. And it is almost painful to listen to at the same time because our ears are trying to figure like figure out what's going on the same way that Ruben's ears and brain are trying to figure stuff out so I, mm. I was like at one point I, I nearly I had to pause it and just take a break because I was like sort of getting into it so much that I could uh, it felt weird in my ears and I felt like my ears were being affected by it but in like a good way like obviously they weren't being damaged or anything like that but it really put me in that position where I was able to just connect with it yeah and 
I really want like the sound team to win awards for this. I'm looking at the names now. I would I would give you all shout outs, only there's too many of you and most of them are foreign names that I cannot pronounce, so I'm really <laughs> apologize. Just shout out to the sound department. You did probably amazing. doing them favours by not trying to pronounce it there. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah we all know it. we all know how good we are for doing pronunciations of <laughs> of names that we struggle with on this podcast. So you said something towards the end of that, and I'm trying to like avoid spoilers, but there are beautiful shots and moments in this where like the silence and like the muffled sounds and everything carry the visuals more than the visuals carry the sounds and stuff, which is phenomenal. But yeah. then there's also moments where, like we said, you lose Riz Ahmed in it. But I think because he is a musician himself as well, he was able to connect to the role so much, like. Music for him over the last couple of years has been massive. Like he's been going on like big tours, especially around the UK um, and stuff like that. I believe he's from the UK originally. Yeah. Um, I know he's in a lot of British stuff. Yeah, he's from Wembley. So he's born and raised in the UK. Mm -hmm. So he's been doing like a lot of tours um, around the UK and stuff. So music's been like a huge part of his life for the last few years. So I think this was like such a good role for him to throw himself into now like while he's connecting with the music so much so he could put the passion into like what if he lost all that side of his life yeah um so yeah absolutely fantastic um yeah there's there's not much that i want to say without spoiling sort of like the end of it and where his story goes with it yeah i I get that and we'll move on to that like really shortly again just want to hammer home the awareness that this film raises around deafness and yeah. in an interview, he gave a really compelling statement, which was deafness isn't a disability, it's a culture. And mm-hmm. you definitely see that in this film, 100%. In my job, like we, we talk a lot about accessibility. And I've spoke to quite a lot of people who have uh, like deafness and they have to talk mm-hmm. to me. Either, you know, they'll have to lip read or we'll have to write on paper to them and then they'll have to kind of like write back or they'll be able to speak, but I'll just have to write stuff down. I've had that a few times and I think what this what this has kind of done for me is it's kind of helped put that into... And obviously we don't know exactly or not whether this is what actually people with deafness actually hear never know unless you could go deaf and then come back you know but mm-hmm. it definitely gives you an insight and it gives you an an appreciation into you know the difficulties that it causes but how you don't look at it as a you don't look at it as something that's hindering you you know you look at it yeah. as something that you 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 learn to live with which is a, a beautiful reflection of how this film think- talks about that I think it's really interesting the time that this film came out as well because there's been a lot of pushing for it to be for sign language to be seen as a recognizable language and for it to be taught in more situations like it's so hard to actually find courses for it especially trying to teach kids like you can take loads of foreign languages when you're growing up but they hardly ever seem to include sign language which because different countries have different versions of sign language as well is a really valuable commodity to learn and stuff yeah and like you were saying, like I've interacted with quite a few like deaf people or hard of hearing people in my previous job, but also uh, family members as well who are uh, deaf. And it's sort of weird, like, 
because I don't know sign language. The the only thing I know how to say in sign language, I learned as a joke in like high school or something, is I'm sorry your cat is on fire. And that <laughs> doesn't help me at all when I meet someone who's actually deaf and you don't want to insult them. These people that I know have learned to lip read, but it's hard to kind of communicate because if I was able to sign language, like it would you'd be able to have a back and forth a lot easier. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a really interesting time that this film's come out just as this subject was being raised in the news a lot more. I heard it on the radio and stuff the other day. Um, I think it's in parts of Ireland. They're making it like a requirement to learn certain bits of sign language. Yeah. Um, Which I think and it is such an isolating sense. disability as well that, like you said, like you're not, they're trying not to see it as a disability anymore. Um, they're trying it's to like, it's a, it's end it's, the stigma on it. Yeah. So making more people aware of it and making more people able to speak sign language would sort of like, um, it would break down the walls and make it less isolating for these people. Yeah. Um, and also, just before we move on, I think it's probably quite like well worth giving a credit to Paul Racy, who plays um, his tutor. Just like the fact that this guy is not deaf in real life and just absolutely convinces you and absolutely smashes it. Like, mm-hmm. you got to think for this film that um, a lot of people... I don't know, actually, is Paul Racy deaf in real life? Um, I a member, could not tell you. A member of the Deaf West Theatre? So I don't know. I, I, I'll probably have a quick look and just see whether or not um he is but whether regardless a lot of a lot of the act, actors and actresses in this film probably had to learn sign language you know and to to do it as convincing and to be just just really nail it home without the need for any sound you know and yeah it's brilliant i love so the- i'm not seeing whether he's deaf but he was raised by deaf parents and he's uh, fluent in american sign language yeah, it's awesome. Uh, shall we move on to spoilers then and talk about kind of the the like the main kind of story plots and just yeah. how kind of it wrapped up towards the end and just how it kind of made us feel and stuff like that as well because it's a very feely mm-hmm. film. This you know it's, it is it makes you it makes you feel lots of things. <laughs> so <sighs> spoilers, right spoiler alert. I mean, I I could probably have had the spoilers and still come out of this film the same way, um, but it is worthwhile your time going into this not knowing much. It'll kind of make the ending of the film impact a bit more. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I I think going in, I I went into this film not knowing anything about it at all, Mm -hmm. and obviously only seeing like the a trailer from a really long time ago. Um, yeah. In terms of kind of where it takes you. I think you're right. I think if someone told me the premise of the film, guy goes deaf, uh, raises money to, you know, get implants to fix it, fixes it, and then learns that it, the actual solution is worse than just coming face to face with the problem mm-hmm. and letting it define you rather than seeing it as a problem. And I think yeah. that's that's what you see from him definitely towards the end because, oh my god, like how. Like the feelings I had when he put those implants in, and you can feel the absolute like heartbrokenness, disappointment of his character. But he, you know, it's better than nothing. 
And then he lo- and then it's just kind of like, well, he ends up like at the end of the film, he takes them out and just sits there. And yeah, it was just so uncomfortable listening to watching the film with the when he has the implants in. Yeah, it was. Yeah. That was the part where I kind of like almost had to pause it for a bit because it was like because it was quite feedbacky and stuff. Like it had that electrical distortion. Obviously, we both got audio background, so we could identify a few of these sounds a bit more and stuff. I think that's why we're loving the sound design so much as well because we both come at it from an audio perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like when he was at that party. I really felt for him because it was overwhelming as a viewer, let alone being in that situation. Um, Like, all the different sounds piled on top of each other, causing all this distortion with the implants and stuff like that. The big gut punch for me as well was just before they switched on his implants and he has to leave the death community, um after he was just starting to build such good relationships and stuff like that. But he, like they say, he's almost like addicted to his way of life and he's not able to let go of it. So he he gets the implants and stuff like that. Um, It was heartbreaking to see he formed these new relationships and connections and it helped him reattach to the world. And then he has to walk away from that. And afterwards he kind of is left with almost nothing. Um, but there was beauty in those silent moments in like the last bit of this film, especially like that last scene when he takes the implants out, like you said, and he is sat there in silence. And it was almost beautiful, like the silence and being able to see the world without all these other distractions and stuff. And it kind of, it made me, this film made me grateful that I could hear and I was able to connect with everything, but I also wish that I could see it from a different perspective. And, you know, sometimes like have these quieter moments in life because there's always going to be some sort of sound in the background or something like when you are in like a he was in the middle of france as well like when you are in this busy but beautiful place just being able to disconnect almost Mm. um would be really nice and that gave me a little bit of hope from at the end because he looked like he was struggling to come to terms with it but then he found the moment of stillness which uh, his tutor was trying to make him find. Yeah, so yeah. that was really beautiful, but like heartbreaking at the same time. And I felt like this film needed like a third act after that. Like I would definitely have watched like another half an hour of this or something. You know how Cherry was like nearly three hours long or something. Yeah, I wish yeah. this film was that length and that fil- uh, film was this length. Like I-, I would have liked to see maybe if he could go back to the community and where he found his place finally in that. Yeah, if they um, placed beyond the pines there and then showed him in like three years or five, like ten years or something yeah. like that. Yeah. An yeah, epilogue yeah. or something for his character. Yeah. Um Yeah. And to kind of echo what you were saying, like the film has like multiple different tragedies throughout it. Like you said, when he has to leave that community. But like you see him obviously, you know, the tragedy of having to leave um leave Lou at the beginning. Mm-hmm. But then him also give like he, he sells the he sells the van. And then that's yeah. a tragedy. And then that's he, his home as well. Like that is literally every last part of him was gone to try and what he felt complete his life again. Yeah, but the thing is, is that it didn't. And that that was like the mm-hmm. saddest thing is that everything that he sacrificed for wasn't what he thought it was going to be. And yeah, it, it's the film's got like a really really good message. 
And I think the more you kind of think about it, the more you kind of talk about it and start to like dissect kind of the meanings and uh, topics of the film, I think you start to you start to give it more and more and more and more um, definition. I think the more mm-hmm. you talk it, it it's got a to- it's definitely got a talking point and I'm glad I'm so glad that you finally watched it because being able to talk about it out loud and kind of obviously someone else that's really enjoyed the film and kind of appreciate it almost then makes the film better again, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it is like you've had a while to sit on it, whereas it's really fresh for me. Um, it is something that kind of hits you more the more you think about it. Like you said, like it definitely leaves you with something to just digest, and uh, which is really interesting. Also, I'm just reading now that Olivia Cook is from Manchester, local. Uh, she's a local lass. Let's go, local um, lass. Big I up, think British actress. She does like loads of really like indie projects like this, and she was great in it. I don't think we've said it quite enough because we were gushing over Riz Ahmed, but she was great in it. She yeah facilitated like the first third of this film. She was kind of the one that brought the tragedy to it almost. Mm-hmm. Was like he was sort of like denying it and everything, and she grounded the first quarter, uh, the first like third of this film. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she needed like another nice little indie hit after like Ready Player One or something. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I think probably at this point we give it a rating and then wrap it up. We didn't give it a rating because uh, before spoilers, but uh, there wasn't really a whole lot to spoil other than kind of like where it ends up and where it finishes. Um, what did you? Uh, what are you going to give it? Oh, I know exactly what I'd give it. If you want me to go first, yeah, you go first. This film's a ten out of ten. I can't okay. think of a single bad thing. I can't. I can't sit there and say like I didn't like this or I didn't like that, because even uncomfortable parts of this film were good, and they're good. They're, they're uncomfortable for a reason, and every single decision in this film I would say is justified. Yeah. Now I've not really gone out of my way to read any kind of negative reviews or anything like that. Um, and there might be some things that are quite quite valid, you know. Um, like yeah. it gets a lot of kind of four stars and stuff, but um, I don't know. I don't know what's kind of like made it lose that little bit, um, or you know, obviously what's got it gave it the seven point eight out of ten on IMDb. But for me, like this sits on like a completely different level. Like I finished the film and I was like, wow, you know, like. Mm-hmm. That was superb. I can't watch it again yet because I just I just can't like put myself through another um like heavy experience like that. Um I'm looking at some of the one star reviews and then just to just to give you a quick idea of some of these one star reviews on Google, it needs to lose the metal tag, however. There is nothing metal about this film. And uh, as a fellow drummer, I was thinking this movie was going to be more about a drummer. Um, let's just, uh, yeah, that's obviously people who have not. That really guy wants to watch Whiplash. He came here yeah. for Whiplash and got Sound of Metal. He got and, a drama yeah. instead of, yeah. Uh, look, uh, yeah, the Sound for me, of Metal of is. 100%. I think the Sound of Metal was also sort of like. I don't know. It's It's. It wasn't about metal in the slightest, and it never tried to make itself out to be about metal. It was just sort of a way of like 
giving this guy like context because he was an do addict want, as well do, and stuff do like that. Do you want a really Crazy. deep um meaning behind that name? What it, you could how you could perceive it? Is it going to be the metal implants in his head? Um it's I could think it could be the metal banging on the slide moment that he has with the kid. Yeah, that was like his turning point, wasn't it? Yeah. Um that for me could have also been what that what that means, you know. Yeah. This it, is what I mean. It's got deeper meaning. It wasn't it wasn't about a metal band like that's uh, it sounds like people wanted to watch Whiplash or like um a green room or something, something about yeah. punk metal and stuff like that. Like And again that's not what this film was. I would give it a nine out of ten. Yeah, that's fair. I I would say like you said, like there was nothing wrong with it. Um it was an absolutely stunning film. I think a nine out of ten is an incredible score. Like it, it's hard to get a ten out of ten, really, isn't it? Um, yeah. Like in context of like all these films and like other films like that have a similar sort of feel to it, it's definitely one of the better ones. Um, I don't think it's going to leave like the most impactful legacy on filmmaking, which is maybe why it's not a ten out of ten for me. Um, but a nine out of ten, like it was fantastic, flawlessly acted, flawlessly like produced and directed and everything like that. So yeah, it was it was incredible. Um, it was a really heartwarming and heartbreaking narrative. I think a lot of these reviews were kind of expecting a different film or it is a slow paced film. This felt like, although it was like a difficult subject matter and stuff like that, it felt like an easy watch for something like that. Like I could watch this again and again and again, probably. Uh-huh. Cool. I'll probably pick it up again in like a year or something and like watch it with the girlfriend and stuff like that. See what she thinks and stuff. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let us know what you thought about Sound of Metal. Uh, very interesting to hear people's thoughts on this. Uh, very interesting to see if it comes away a winner at the Oscars as well. Um, be brilliant to see. Um, and obviously completely well-deserved of all its um, positive criticism from uh, critics and of Riz Ahmed's performance, you know, and um, very, very much deserving of the praise it's getting. Um yeah, that's it for this week. Um, make sure you check us out on the socials, as I mentioned up top. Uh, it's Get Real Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if so inclined, you can email us um, oldschool at getrealpoduk at gmail.com. Yes, and the best way to support the podcast is to leave us a rate and review wherever you listen to us. Um, unfortunately, there's no uh, death version of this <laughs> how would you even strange, do that i don't know how you would do it somebody, somebody prints it out in braille <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah um leave us a rate and review wherever you listen to us um itunes spotify iHeartRadio, uh, amazon podcasts or amazon music whichever one it is uh or you can head over to Podchaser, which will syndicate it to all the other podcast distributors so you just need to go to that one-stop shop to leave a rate and review and it'll put you everywhere but the best way the absolute single best way is to just share the podcast tell a friend about it tell two friends tell three friends shout it from the rooftop shout it from the front of a metal gig um when you're drumming on the floor just tell people about us show us on your socials when you see us putting out a post hit us a retweet hit us a repost on facebook hit us uh, like share us to your story on Instagram or something. It's so easy to do. It's just one click of a button and it's shared to your story. Just help us spread the word to as many different people as possible. And don't forget to set, check out our sister podcast, 
Get Real Gaming. Uh, they post episodes every Wednesday. We post episodes every Monday. Um, yeah, thank you for listening, guys. And stay tuned for more award-winning films over the next couple of weeks. Uh, Amar Rainey's Black Bottom, uh, Minari, uh, Nomadland. All yeah, these yeah. coming up soon. Promising Young Woman, maybe, as well. Definitely not Chaos Walking. <laughs> Definitely that is not in the running for the awards right now. <laughs> and as always, uh, take care. We'll see you next week, everyone. Bye-bye. <laughs>